1: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specializes in maximizing
0: compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au.
2: On SEN, the captain's run with cane Coins.
1: Straight in. Straight in. Good morning to you. We're, we are on. No music intro, no music. We are just on it this morning. We've got a massive show coming up. Looking forward to... Chatting to all of you, is a fair bit happening as news comes to hand in relation to anything AFL-related and fixture and news. We'll bring it to you live on the program. Uh, just reported then from the Victorian government, uh, ten new cases acquired locally. Four of those were announced yesterday. All ten are linked to the current outbreaks. I don't know, seem, who would know what's my opinion worth, but it seems like reasonably good news this morning um, as you're all waking up to first day of lockdown. Sympathies from everyone, absolutely. But words don't really do that justice. So what we will do, we'll take your mind off it with three hours of sport and footy and your calls interaction debate, which we love. Melbourne Storm CEO Justin Rodsky. We're going to speak to Chris Anstey. There was some confusion over the Boomers last night. Andrew Bogut was cryptically tweeting. Chris Anstey was tweeting. So we'll get him on what it means. As far as I've read it, uh, the Boomers played against USA. Um, Bradley Bill had tested positive from USA. They played against the Boomers. But so far, so good for the boomers. No one has tested a positive at the moment. Jim Azarski from the Milwaukee Sentinel. We're going to go to Milwaukee because the Bucks were terrific yesterday. They've leveled up the NBA Finals 2-2. Giannis was amazing. Chris Middleton. And who wins it from here? Who knows as we go back to Phoenix on Sunday. Saints skipper Jack Steele taking on Port Adelaide tomorrow and the Port Adelaide Viewpoint with their CEO Matthew Richardson. Also Chad's brother's quiz. The Cats, how about them last night? them, the Bulldogs and the not the Lions, the Melbourne Football Club, I think separating themselves as the Premiership fancies. They are just a phenomenal football team Geelong. So Cats fans, you can have your say on that one 736 736 absolutely clinical could not have been more impressed by what they did last night. But this morning I want to get the show underway with this. I was on my walk on Wednesday, and I was listening to Razor Ray Chamberlain um, with Jared on Waitley. Uh, honestly, he he does get well. He, he's polarizing, isn't he, Razor Ray? But this interview was absolutely fascinating to me. It was one of the best interviews I've heard all year. And actually, all footy fans and footy media should go back and listen to this interview with Ray and Jared. So it did reinforce my belief, and we've spoken about it on this show before that umpiring has just become far too difficult. And it's through no fault of the umpires. I mean, we can all be a little bit hard on the umpires, me included. They have no fault in the confusion that we see from fans and the media at the moment. The AFL and its obsession with changing and introducing new rules has made that the absolute reality. So the new football operations boss has got a huge task in front of him or her to make sure that the umpiring is less, and the decisions made, less confusing for the fans So let's go back to Friday night Let's have a listen to Channel 7's commentary Of a controversial moment From that game The Essendon and the Adelaide game Where Bombers young forward Archie Perkins Was tackled and spun around in a
3: 720. Perkins comes in And gets spun about four times And then gets a high tackle free
1: How many
4: times did he get spun? Two That's holding the footy That is gone
5: He can't believe it <laughs> Millions of people in Adelaide can't believe it.
4: I mean, that's an obvious one for the umpire. I reckon BT, if you get spun twice, yeah, you it. don't dispose of the footing.
6: It's a fair <laughs> it's a go. Easy decision. It's a fair go, isn't it? A 720.
4: They let him go. They let him go They're with a 360, going. but a seven twenty.
6: <laughs>
4: no.
3: The other part to that, BT, is which decision comes first. Like, no doubt it was a push, yeah. but he was holding the ball prior to that. So
1: that's... Three of the host broadcasters with their viewpoint on that one incident. Razor Ray was asked about that with Jared, and here's his explanation of why the decision was in fact correct.
0: With the 360 or 720,
7: so no prior opportunity, I don't think anyone would debate that. So now all we need to see from Archie, if legally tackled, which he was, is an attempt. However, there's a little kicker. If the ball or his hands, hands being plural, okay, are pinned, he can't make an attempt, and he's had no prior opportunity, so a ball up will be the right result. In a one-on-one tackle, we're asked just to wait a little bit. Our job is to keep the ball in motion. That's the spirit of the game, okay? So a one-on-one tackle, the player is most likely gonna be able to get that ball out, knocked out, get his hands free, handball kick, and so you hold on the whistle. Ball does come free. Play on. Secondary player comes in. Bang, high tackle. Free kick to Perkins.
1: So how about the checklist the umpires have to go through in their mind for one decision? There are five factors in there that Ray just explained to us that we really probably weren't aware of, and certainly Channel 7 weren't aware of it through James Brasher and BT and Wayne Carey, who do a great job, but even... Adelaide coach Matthew Nix wasn't aware of it. He threw his arms up in disgust when there was no decision paid. And most of the fans, I reckon, would have put that and put their hand up and paid that as holding the ball. The players are confused as well. So last night, Fremantle captain Nat Fife was pinged for a throw after he was tackled in the middle of the ground. Collingwood captain Scott Pendlebury was quick to Twitter to question that call. He tweeted, did Nat Fife have prior?" if not he made an attempt so regardless it should have shouldn't have been holding the ball i think the umpire paid a throw but the same applies it's not the umpire's fault but the rule is crazy umpiring is too hard it is a massive issue for the afl in particular with holding the ball prior arms pinned made an attempt legitimate attempt was it illegal disposal was it a throw it's a nightmare for the umpires. Then you bring in the stupid stand rule. Are they standing? Are they playing on? Do they move off their line? I need ten sets of eyes to understand what is going on. We have made the game far too hard to umpire. One 736 736 Do you agree? Did you and were you aware of the Archie Perkins decision being the correct call? Because most people want right now, the game is too confusing. One three hundred seven three six seven three six, to have you say. Yeah, I, I we could have played a little bit more of Razor and we may do that a little bit uh, later on in the show, but we we cut it down just to hear him and you can almost sort of imagine his mind ticking over and explaining why that call was correct. And I mean, he explained it beautifully and you know, perhaps we are too quick to judge umpiring decisions when we don't have the full facts and and the full explanation of what they are being asked to do. Um, so if you get a spare minute, just go back and have a listen to it because it. I certainly felt more knowledgeable after listening to it. But let's open it up to you. Love your calls on a Friday. We take them all through the first hour and through until twelve o'clock. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number, or you can send us a text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen for Tempa, a mattress that's built like no other. Sergio is in Brisbane. You're going to kick us off, mate. How do you see the umpiring and the confusion that's clearly in the game?
8: Um. Hope you're well, uh, Kane. uh Look, I listened to that interview and uh, I work in um, banking and I do a lot of process engineering. And as soon as I heard that interview, I'm in agreement with yourself. I, it's too complicated. The, the more uh, uh, points that you have that you've got to factor into your decision making, uh, the more complicated it gets. I just don't
6: understand,
8: Kane, why we just don't simplify some of these Uh, rules to make it uh, a lot simpler uh, not only for the fans but more so for the umpire so they have an easier job Mm. um your thoughts well
1: i I agree with you i'm I'm with you i guess i guess to solve the problem how do you solve the problem so we all know there's an issue it's clear there is an issue and uh, ray wouldn't say that but i i bet you if you sat down with five umpires and we said is your job too hard is that process that you speak of um surge is it, is it too much to go through how do we simplify it and do you agree I, I i imagine most of them would say yes now ray was asked in that interview do you get rid of prior do, is there a way that you can simplify the process and he sort of used the analogy that it's like pulling on a, a string or a piece of cotton that's sort of sticking out from your jumper if you pull on it rather than cut it it opens up a whole sort of different can of worms and there'll be more confusion. I'm not sure I necessarily agree, but if anyone's got the solution, is it is it prior? Is it um, not penalising players when they don't dispose of the ball correctly just because they're making an attempt? I'd like to hear it this morning and we'll take your calls on that. Let's go to Bayswater and speak to Phil. Your thoughts on it, Phil?
9: G'day, mate. I think that the problem you've got is when stoppages becomes a dirty word, so you've got the rules of the game and this is how with the spirit we want it played, and then you've got rules that that are trying to manufacture outcomes on the fly during the year. So if you're an umpire, you're in a hiding to nothing because your job description can change every couple of weeks, which I think is hard enough for the umpires. But we're trying to manufacture too many outcomes, and we've had stoppages, so now they're a stain on the game. So to raise, Razor said, oh, we've got to keep the ball in motion. Well, if mm. it's dropping the ball, it's dropping the ball. If it's mm. a stoppage, it's a stoppage. I just think we're trying to manufacture too many outcomes, Kane.
1: Yep, so you're right, and and that was... Basically, what he said is you heard our message, um, our instruction is a better word, is to keep the ball in motion as much as we can and we don't want stoppages. But take your medicine at times. You've got to adjudicate the look of the game as well. You can't have players throwing the ball or just chucking it up and you know any, just any attempt to dispose of the ball because there's been no prior is acceptable. So I, I agree with you. And if you throw the ball up quicker at stoppages and we don't have the stupid nominating ruck issue then less more stoppages isn't isn't a bad thing i don't think you get in there whip it up regardless of who goes up don't have to stop and pause and halt and blow time on and make sure you've got two ruckmen nominated that's another thing that needs to go but as it stands the job of an umpire is too hard thanks for your thoughts phil a lot of people wanting to have their say so we'll whip whip through those this morning john's on the line uh, you wanted to speak about that issue with archie perkins john
9: yeah kane um just thought uh, the, the decision was really good and at the time when I saw it on TV I was watching it with my wife and um, I thought straight away he, he had no chance and my wife said "No, oh, he spun him around you know X amount of times and uh, mm. I said no love he didn't have he didn't have any, any prior opportunity um, but I'm sort of Tim Watson's age and I just thought it was, it was basic cut and dry there wasn't any uh, there wasn't any uh, ho- uh, holding the ball or anything like that and for Wayne Carey to say what he did I thought he was um if he had had another look at it, I saw it straight away and I knew straight away it was no chance uh being holding the ball, but uh, Wayne Kerry called it and should have been holding the ball, so there you go.
1: I don't think he was alone, as I said, no, Maddie Nix, uh, you know, you don't exactly know what's going through Nixy's mind in the coach's box, but he, he sort of threw his arms up in protest as well. He he couldn't believe from what I you know, what it appeared that it wasn't paid. Holding the ball and there is a there is a, a belief, an unfounded one amongst a lot of footy fans and media that if you are spun around in a 360, that is automatic holding the ball. But as you heard, that is not the case and you can even go 720 if uh, you haven't had prior and your arms are pinned and you haven't had a realistic opportunity to dispose of the ball. Thank you to you, John. Let's go to Terry who wants to chat about umpiring. What's your thoughts, Tez?
10: um mine was, I don't know if you missed it, but the Swans match... Did you know the goal umpires have a whistle? I didn't. No. Um, Saturday, there was two frees played against the Swans because they're full forward or there's no one in the goal square. And um, the, the six, six, someone and said six, he must have well. had his toe on the line or something twice. in the, I think it was even in the one quarter. Bulldogs got a kick out of the middle, but it wasn't. Everyone thought it was 6-6-6. Six, six, six. No, no. The goal umpire blew his whistle, and I think it was Papley twice. Um, and I don't know whether he was in the goal square or not, but he um, was definitely close to it, and, um, yeah, interesting. But so what was I the free kick get... paid?
1: What, 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 what was it just a warning for no six and six? No, or no, what? No,
10: not, no warning. The um, goal umpire blew his whistle, and it was a free in the centre, and the doggies went deep into attack on both occasions.
1: I did not see that, Terry, but, and I was not aware that goal umpires could pay free kicks. Have I been living under a rock and... Can goal umpires pay free kicks? I wouldn't have thought so. Happy to be wrong here this morning, and I'm questioning everything I know about the game. But I didn't think umpires were allowed to pay free kicks. Goal umpires, that is. Uh, Andrew is in Glen Iris. You want to speak about the state of the game, Andrew? Your thoughts?
5: Yeah. G'day, Kane.
1: Um, appreciate
5: this topic being brought up. Uh, long time been a, a bugbear of mine. Um, just considering the state of the game, and we always think that the the best football is. Played in the final series where the umpires tend to put the game or put the whistle away a little bit more. It seems that umpires enjoy being technically correct that a free kick is there as opposed to a a player being hampered or or, or retarded in going for the football.
1: What are your thoughts? I'm with you on everything you said in your opening statement. Umpiring is better during the finals. Now, there's a reason for that is because the best umpires are, are, are umpiring and, you know, I'm clearly of the belief the void between the best umpires in the game and the ones that are finding their way and not as experienced is is massive and too great and it's another issue for the for the AFL is the separation between their best umpires and the not so good the ones that uh, aren't there in finals so that that can be one reason i i don't believe umpires when they say we put the whistle we we don't put the whistle away i just i just don't believe them they they can they may believe that but in the moment, in a big game, in a grand final, in a prelim final, go through the amount of free kicks that are paid in those big games. And it's pretty obvious that the whistle goes away. Now, they will deny that. I've heard them deny it. And they, be- may, be- they may even believe that, that they do that and that they don't put it away in big games. But I, I refuse to believe it. I think the stats are there for us to see. So, no, I agree with you. And uh, if in doubt, let it play on. Don't blow your whistle. It has always been my view with umpiring. Tom is in Williamstown. G'day, Tom. How you going, Kane? with the cats? Right,
8: now, yeah, no, nah, that's what I want to talk about, Kane. If you can just give me a minute here. All right. The AFL's love child, Geelong, okay? Right. It was in full effect last night with the man on the mark rule. Now, I'm an Essendon supporter, and that rule has singly destroyed Richmond, right? And you see with Geelong, in 2018, they were cooked, mate. They finished eight. Uh, Tom Hawkins couldn't get, get near it. They create this panel of four blokes from Geelong in it. They bring in 6-6-6, six, six, and six. they finish first the next year, and Tom Hawkins reignites his career. Last night, they had 70 marks to 40. Now, you tell me that Steve Hawking doesn't bring in that stand-on-the-mark rule to benefit Geelong, and you tell me that Steve Hawking next year didn't pass on to his little mate Brad Scott Let's shorten the quarters to help Geelong again. It's corrupt Kane. Something's got to be done. <laughs>
1: Conspiracies left, right and centre here from Tom. The AFL bringing in the stand rule in the 6-6-6 six, six, six to benefit Geelong. Look, I don't think that was the reason they brought it in. And if you look at last night's game, it doesn't matter what rules that game was played under, Fremantle weren't touching Geelong. like That was comprehensive, regardless of what rules. You speak of, I think Tom Hawkins has been pretty good prior to the stand rule, prior to six, six, and six. What was it? The stat I saw on Twitter last night, and they may have mentioned it in the coverage, 10 years in a row, he's kicked 40 plus. So I think he's been a pretty good player prior to to those sorts of rules. So I don't buy into it. What I do buy into is what a massive job it is for the new person who is appointed. Do they continue down the path of change and aggressive change? Or do they reset? Can they actually analyse the stand rule and what it has not done for the game? And, you know, be prepared to make an even braver call and say, oh, hang on, yeah, we had a look at it for a year. We should have trialled it. It's done nothing to improve the game. Certainly hasn't helped scoring. In fact, it's made it worse. Are we prepared to scrap it um, when he comes in? I'm really interested to see what path they go down, the continuation of change and rules and tinkering, or can we just reset a little bit and have some more stability? That's what I'm interested in. Uh, if you want to speak about the footy last night as well, one 736 736. Pretty comprehensive stuff from Geelong. They are such an impressive football team. One of the, the most, the teams that I've admired for such a long period of time. Uh, Bruce is on the line. You want to speak about a Carlton legend, Bruce? Take it away, mate. Thanks very much, Kane. Yes, um, the great working class player. Serge Silvani, as
9: described by Greg Bourne today, stocky, bandy-legged, often in long sleeves, and always with his socks down. And, Kane, I was just wondering, perhaps the Carlton players can
1: forget the black armbands this weekend and just drop the socks as the ultimate tribute to Serge. Mm, I like it. A lot of players do wear their socks down these days. But well said, mate. I think that the tributes have been um, beautifully put. And I've loved, you know, clearly wasn't my era but the legacy he has left and have loved going back and reading the tributes that have come through and listening to people like yourself explaining what an influential and important person he was at that footy club uh let's take a quick breather we'll get to Pete on the road Zach wants to have his say Tony is in Geelong Tony might want to respond to Tom the caller who just called in about the conspiracies at AFL house leading to Geelong's performance it's 21 minutes past nine
2: On SEN, the captain's run with cane corns.
1: Whipping through your calls in the first hour, plenty to talk about. I'm thinking the AFL is too confusing. The rules, the umpiring, it's too difficult for them. That was confirmed with a great interview that Razor Ray did with Jared earlier on this week, which we've heard a little bit of, and that was the case again with some confusion in Thursday night footy. Pete is on the road. You want to speak about the state of the game, Pete. Good morning to you, mate, and welcome. Yes.
5: Hi, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, firstly as a side issue if, uh, I think goal umpires might have a whistle to uh, call a pie bot the pie boy over uh, when they're uh, feeling a bit nippish but um, on a serious note the uh, the game in my opinion can fix it in two ways with regard to this uh, complexity. One is you go the way which is not my preferable but you go the way of Gaelic football no tackling um, I don't think anyone wants to do that because we're going to ruin the game. Second one is the second one is, um, and I'll purposely with saying that we get it wrong most of the time in terms of holding the ball, dropping the ball. It's hardly paid correctly these days. And secondly, as you said, when, you keep in the, when the umpires don't blow the whistle as much, it improves the game. Well, why don't we just not pay dropping the ball and holding the ball? And you only blow the whistle when they can't get the ball out to ball it up. That way, the mistakes of dropping the ball, holding the ball, because I can never understand these days you know yeah. I'm often looking at it going that was holding the ball what wasn't paid et cetera et cetera why don't we just get rid of pain holding the ball dropping the ball and just pay the ball up the whistle is away the game's improved not as many stoppages and they don't make mistakes
1: thoughts from Peter there who's on the road with the state of the game and, and not paying some decision let's go to Zach in Coburg you want to speak about umpiring Zach
11: yeah out, Kane okay. I just want to run a sort of thought experiment past you so there's this philosophical and scientific principle called Occam's Razor. It states that entities should not be multiplied unnecessarily. What that boils down to is the more contingencies and assumptions and links in the chain, the more likely there'll be a weak link somewhere. Mm-hmm. basically how it works. And I think we've done this with some of the rules of the game. Like, holding the ball, there are five or six steps on the flowchart that the umpire needs to judge. And at every step, by Occam's Razor, they're naturally inviting error and confusion and judgment. It's the same with nominating for the Ruckman position. It's just unnecessarily multiplying the amount of judgments the umpires make.
1: Just just hold that thought. I'll hold you over for the uh, news headlines because I'm fascinated by this theory. I want to find out what sort of mathematician or what sort of physician you are because it's completely over my head. But I get your point, I think. We'll come back soon. All right, let's get back to Zach in Kobe. you got a theory. Um, I, I wanted a bit more time to explore that with you. Firstly, what's the name of your theory again? So it's a philosophical and scientific principle called Occam's Razor,
11: yep. which states that entities should not be multiplied unnecessarily. So... What that boils down to is the more contingencies, the more assumptions, the more judgments that are part of an explanation, um, the more error and confusion it naturally invites. So with the rules of the game in the AFL, some of the rules, like the Ruck nomination, are unnecessarily complicated. There are two or three steps involved for the umpire to ball the ball up when there should just be one and this third man up comes in it's a free kick same with holding the ball there are five or six steps on this sort of flow chart that the umpire needs to judge when in theory we could strip back the rules over a long period of time I'm talking sort of like 20 years mm. we could strip back and simplify the rules maybe the AFL could set up some sort of incentivization system for past players who are out of the system at the age of twenty four or twenty five to extend their careers in the AFL by twenty or thirty years by moving into the umpiring pathway and they'll have better feel for the game, better judgment, and with a simpler set of rules, with less with less contingencies, there'll naturally be less confusion. Hopefully the public will trust these umpires to let their feel for the game dictate the, the outcomes Assumes.
1: and the decisions. Uh, good on you, mate. I appreciate your thoughts, and I, I agree with exactly what you said, and I've sort of been trying to explain it like that, but your, your theory sort of does it, it does it pretty well. So thanks for your thoughts, and thanks for holding over the news. Tony's in Geelong. Hey, we had Tom, Tony. He's an Essendon supporter. He had a crack at the AFL. He reckons the AFL, there's a conspiracy to change the rules to favour the Cats. Your response?
12: Tom needs to get off the Cheech and Chong's cane. He's, he's given too much of a touch-up. He needs to have a cup of tea and a lie down. He's way off the mark. Hawkins has been firing for years. It's, yes. It's, it's, the difference is this year that they've got to take another defender off him to look after Cameron, and now Rowan as well, because he's starting to fire. So instead of having three blokes hanging off his shoulders each week, he might have one and a half or two. Um, what else did he say? Richmond, they've, they've brought about their own demise, as if they're standing on the you know, standing on the hold mark and you've got nothing to do with that. Oh, Jesus, fairing give me a spell. Mm. Well,
1: I get I get that a bit. A lot of uh, text messages coming through saying the stand rule has ruined Richmond. I I'm, I'm yet to have a logical explanation as to why. So for those that are of the belief and I'm sure there's some Richmond supporters out there that believe the stand rule has ruined them and changed their game style, why is that? Ex- explain that to me because that's a theme that has come through a lot. This year, I've been waiting for this call. Brock is on the road. He predicted that St Kilda would win last week. They did. He predicted that St Kilda would beat Port Adelaide tomorrow. We'll find out. Over to you, Brock. You want to gloat for a little bit? Uh, I also
3: predicted we'd beat uh, Richmond, and I also predicted that we'd shoot back up the ladder after the bye. Um, And I did tune into the Sunday footy show just to uh, see what you'd say. And you did go with a couple of my points there, Kane, when you were analysing St Kilda. So a few thanks for that. Um, Yeah, and I I must give you a bit of credit, mate, because you've bounced back. You've you've fronted up after Port's couple of dismal performances. And I did tell you last week that it would happen because you can't beat anyone inside the eight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm actually... Going to go out on the limb and say you'll get the win over us this weekend because you like to beat up on teams just outside the eight. So uh, I'll give you that one. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, not,
1: uh, I'm not sure. We'll speak to Saint Kilda captain Jack Steele this morning. Uh, Port Adelaide's selected team is is probably the weakest team they've picked all year, so they've been smashed by injury. I, I think the Saint. I think your Saints should win, mate. So we'll find out. It's going to be a great opportunity for them. Well, Adelaide's team not strong at all for various reasons, and they're not playing great footy. They're they're at risk of dropping down the ladder. Uh, good on you. Your predictions were correct. It's good to see you back in a better mood than you were probably six weeks ago. That's Brock on the road. Loves loves his Saints. Um, what are we at? We've got time for a couple more. Yep. Let's go to Queensland and speak to Paul. G'day, Paul. G'day, l a Good. Thank you,
0: mate. I was watching the Swans-Bulldogs game on the weekend, and in the second quarter, Jack McRae, I think it was McInerney, tackled, got a free kick, legitimately lost the ball. It went over the boundary line. Then a mm. Bulldogs player picked it up, ran back onto the field, and the
9: umpire called advantage, and it was play on. I just don't know how, when the ball goes out of bounds, it can get get <laughs>
8: advantage. I d- I and it d- wasn't even mentioned by anybody.
1: I didn't see, I didn't see that. Oh, that. See, that's another rule that's hard to... So... How much time is realistic for advantage? I get if it's in the motion, players pick it up. It's their call. They take advantage, all of that. But what's the delay on whether you should be allowed to take advantage or not? Like, if you pick it up, stop, look back, have a look. Oh, no one's near me. I'm going to go. The umpires are very lenient on that. I I didn't see see that one, Paul. I wish I did. That's quite comical if it played out that way. Uh, We had an earlier caller who suggested that goal umpires have a whistle and paid two free kicks in. Was it the Bulldogs game or one of the games on the weekend? Uh, it might have been, yeah, it was the Sydney and the Bulldogs game. I'm, I've am i made a couple of calls, and we're, we're going to put a call in to Hayden Kennedy just to make sure, but from the people that I believe have good knowledge of the game, I don't think goal umpires have a whistle, but it did have me questioning everything I know about the game for a good five-minute period there, but I, I'm 99.7% confident that goal umpires don't have a whistle and can't pay Free kicks, field free kicks. Trev's in Queensland. You want to speak about the most confusing rule in the game, Trev? Holding the ball.
13: Yeah. Morning, Kane. Morning. Um, yeah, the, uh, the thing that uh, frustrates everyone, I think, is this holding the ball and throwing the ball. the uh, uh, The game is travelling that fast say, um, You know, this uh, we not hardly handball the ball anymore, um, as the contact says that two hands have to, you could just have two hands there and throw the ball out. That's deemed as just a handball. So why don't we just get rid of the, just have throwing the ball, get rid of this throwing the ball rule so everyone can throw the ball because half the time we're all throwing the ball now anyway. I
1: don't know. I get the the cynicism in your voice. Um, We can't have rugby. Um, and I get frustrated we don't pay a legal disposal. I don't care about prior. If you are tackled, you don't have prior, and you throw the ball, I can't have that as play on. I can't have it. So I don't know. I don't know what the issue, how to sort it out, and I get the AFL want the ball in motion, but tackled and you throw the ball up and miss it with your boot or miss it with your hand and it's not paid a legal disposal doesn't sit well with me, so I, I tend to agree. Let's go to Sam. You want to speak about Big Sav last night and his performance for the Cats?
7: Yeah, Kane, I was just wondering if you watched the game and what do you think about um, you know, staying in the side and his improvement in the last few weeks? I reckon he, he's looking good, but what, what will his role be when
8: um, Cameron comes back?
1: Yeah, well, and I heard the commentators speaking about this last night. I, I did watch the game. He looked he looked dangerous, didn't he, in, in tough conditions. I thought the ball use from Summage Long's midfielders and the way that they were able to kick the ball advantage side to Hawkins and Radigalia and, and a little bit to Dangerfield was exceptional. Where does he fit? Um, he's not; he's probably not in their best 22, is he, when when those two others come back. But you're going to get a good chunk to find out where he's at in the lead up to finals. I, I can't see a way Jeremy Cameron plays. And he may play one before finals, so he's going to get a good month at it. And he does give the Cats some flexibility to be able to go in the ruck as well, which is important because we know that's probably their biggest issue, the ruck. So give it a month, Sammy, because he's going to get a good run at it before Jeremy Cameron, they even think about playing him. Uh, Adrian, you want to speak about the game last night?
14: Yeah, how are you, mate? Um, Good. I was watching the game last night, and there was a, there was, i got two points. There's um I, I think it would have been Atkins handballed back to Tom Stewart. And he just... Tom Stewart, the early part of the game, he grabs the ball on the line and then just drops it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I spilt over the line. But that's, that's dropping the ball, mate. That's mm. dropping the ball. The umplies, for some reason... Who always pin something on the other teams, but never Geelong. They never do anything wrong, and I'm I'm not a Freo supporter. I'm, I'm no one. But why is it always they're always getting the rub of the green? Like it just it really confuses me. And the other caller, the Eastern caller, that mm. talked about um, the conspiracy theory. I wouldn't say conspiracy theory, but if you have a look, everyone high up in the media, high up in the AFL, are all Geelong connections, right? And now. And now he's leaving. he's leaving the AFL to go to Geelong. So he's in front of the eight ball. He's going to say to Geelong, this is what they're going to do. Let's get ahead of it. Bang, bang, bang. How can a team stay up the to top, Kane, for 15 years it's and a- other clubs can't even tie their shoelaces, Kane?
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? Like the, the, It's phenomenal when you look at it. Adrian's passionate this morning. We love it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 On the other side of this, interviewed Scott Burns, Senior Assistant Coach at the Adelaide Football Club, this morning on SENSA. I want to replay a portion of what he had to say in relation to concussion and the fallout perhaps from an AFL ruling on Tom Duday. Duday, we'll do that next.
2: On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns.
7: He wasn't actually cast we, we didn't um, take him out of the game because of concussion, but uh, I think the AFL docs now can, can overrule or have their say, so uh, they, were, they were confident enough that there was concussion symptoms, so they wanted him to have this week off. I, I just thought he had his sternum near his spine, I think that was the major reason that, that um, he was battling, but yeah they they, have, they can, and I think they have before this isn't a one-off, this has happened before with other other players and other clubs
13: as well.
1: So that's Adelaide Senior Assistant Coach Scott Burns speaking to SENSA this morning. Tom Duday is uh, the vice captain at the Crows. Everyone would remember the hit in the first stages of that game against Essendon where he ran back so recklessly, was, was hit in the chest um, and was subbed out of the game. Now, Adelaide didn't need to do a concussion test or protocols. He wasn't subbed out for concussion. And their belief was that he was right to play um and there was no head related issues the afl have since come along and said no hang on we're overruling your club doctors who didn't diagnose him with concussion didn't sub him out with concussion we're overruling you and we're forcing him into the 12 days concussion protocol through our doctors i mean this is the biggest can of worms in relation to concussion that i think we've seen this year We've heard Nick Revolt speak earlier on in the year on Fox footy about the process that he would go to and how far he would take it from a legal avenue if he couldn't play in a grand final. Now It doesn't really matter because the Crows are 16th on the ladder and um, Tom Duday missing this game against West Coast doesn't really matter. What happens if that's a prelim final? What happens if that is Patrick Dangerfield... In a prelim final, he's subbed out for another issue. He's all good to go from a club's point of view for the grand final the following week, and the AFL come in and say, no, 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 he's out with concussion. C- can you imagine the uproar that would happen with that? Um, it's a really fascinating one. I'd be interested in your thoughts, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 and I suspect um, we'll hear more from it, and hopefully it's not in a massive game later on in the year where the AFL come up over the top of club doctors who are employed for a reason and would never put a player at risk and say, no, 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 the club says he's okay, we're coming through and overruling it, you're out and you can't play in a grand final. That would be a big story. Nick is in Strathmore. Uh, you want to have your say on incorrect disposal, Nick?
9: Yeah, I do. But can I uh, put out a, a cheer and a, and a good luck to a young girl going to the Olympics? Sure. Stacey, Stacey Heimer, a very good friend of ours, uh, parents are magnificent people known as since the day she was born, 22 years old, representing Australia in the Taekwondo. She's already Australian champion, fantastic girl, and I'm wishing her all the luck and all the Australian Olympians.
1: Well said, Nick. Of course, you'll hear it all right here on SEN from uh, next Friday. It all kicks off with the opening ceremony. So good on you, Nick, and love the recognition that the lesser sports that don't get the publicity receive during the Olympics. So well said. Your thoughts on incorrect disposal?
9: I think the problem with the way uh, the game's being applied is we don't want to to reward the tackler. Now, we keep forgetting that our game is a 360-degree game, so getting the ball, tackling a person properly and everything should be all equal. Where We're trying to keep the person going who's got the ball. We're trying to reward him more. We shouldn't be doing that. A perfect tackle should be rewarded. Incorrect disposal means you haven't handballed or you haven't kicked. So um, anything else that the ball, if it's, if it's hit free, if it's dropped, if anything, if it doesn't hit your foot, should be reported, rewarded against the player because mm. you're not getting rid of the ball properly. So incorrect disposal should come back in and not holding the ball so much because you haven't disposed of the ball.
1: Good on you, Nick. Thanks for your thoughts, mate, and good luck to Stacey. Catherine's in Flemington. Uh, hi, Catherine. You had a giggle about uh, the Geelong uh, conspiracy. Uh,
15: so we've all got five G um, bits in our body as well, and Stephen Hawking is the head of a paedophile ring. Come on, you you can't have it both ways by saying Geelong can't win a final for the last ten years, and then say off the back of a very good performance that we're running the AFL. There's all these commentators, and uh, and we've got an, an advantage. When when the AFL want to make um, an example of anyone, they pick Patrick Dangerfield, they pick um, Tom Hawkins for jumper punching. They used to always ping um, Stevie J for the minutest little uh, squibbles for for their rule of the week. So I don't think there's a conspiracy theory. And we can't help it if we have a no-dickhead policy and it means that our past players can string a sentence together and end up being commentators.
1: Strong thoughts there from Catherine, having a bit of a bit of a laugh and a bit of tongue-in-cheek comments. There, of course, um, she wasn't serious with what she was saying. Obviously, hey, from an umpire, we've got it through. So Benny's done some digging around in relation to goal umpires having a whistle. I, I feel well, I can't believe I didn't know, and I have never been to a game where I've seen a goal umpire blow a whistle. They do have a whistle, but they only use it in case of six, six, and six breach where one player leaves the goal square or breaches it. So that was from the earlier caller who alerted us to the fact. He was saying goal umpires were paying free kicks for, um, you know, free kicks against, but they can pay it for 6-6 and 6 breaches. So there you have it. Of course, that is a new rule. So perhaps why we weren't fully across it. But we have finally solved that issue. It's taken us an hour. Goal umpires do have a whistle, see? You learn something every day. It's 7 minutes to 9 o'clock. We'll get to Andrew and Phil on the other side of this. And I'd be interested in your thoughts on the AFL overruling Adelaide's medical team in relation to Tom Duday. They thought he wasn't concussed. He wasn't subbed out for concussion. But the AFL have come through during the week, obviously, and said, no, we'll do our own review of that. And we think he's got concussion symptoms. He's out. Imagine that's in a grand final for a star player the controversy that that would cause. I get the feeling we're going to speak a little bit more about that this week. Six minutes to 10 o'clock, one three hundred seven three six seven three six.
2: 736 736 On SEN, the captain's run with Cane Corns.
1: Yeah, welcome in. It's three minutes past 10 o'clock. It was a really busy first hour dominated by your thoughts on the confusing state of the game, in particular relating to a few rules. We heard uh, Channel 7's commentary of a um, controversial moment on Friday night between Adelaide and the Crows, where Archie Perkins wasn't penalised for holding the ball, the commentators thought he should have been. Razor Ray was on the show and explained why it wasn't and cleared up a few areas, but the job of umpiring is so hard in 2021. We'll take your calls on that. The issue relating to Tom um not being diagnosed with concussion from the club, but the AFL overruling that, meaning he can't play this week, is also an interesting one for me. We'll take your calls through until... 12 o'clock uh, this morning but right now it's time for a bit of storm chat
4: Hey guys, um, all you storm fans out there um, we're just about that off to Queensland um, unfortunately as um, all you storm fans Hey guys, um, all you storm fans out there um, we're just about that off to Queensland um, unfortunately as you would all know uh, the game on Saturday here has been called off um, I'm really disappointed for ourselves to be quite honest but we're also hugely disappointed for you guys I know you're looking to come along and support us and uh, we were really looking forward to that as well but um, hopefully we can go up to Queensland and, and do a good job and um, come back with a couple of wins under our belt and um, hopefully uh, put on a good show for you guys down here when we're allowed back in which hopefully won't be too long. Stay safe um, and make sure you keep watching keep supporting and we really appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: Melbourne Storm coach, the legendary Craig Bellamy, with a message to the Storm fans. So joining us now is their CEO, Justin Rodsky. Justin, thanks for your time again.
13: No worries at all, Kane. Good to be with you.
1: A familiar issue for you and your club. You've been home for just two weeks, but the NRL has been forced to act like a lot of competitions in this country. And, and you're out again. I mean, what challenge does this present once again for your group? Yeah, really frustrating and really
13: feeling for our our members and fans this morning. Kane, you know we we had a really big build up to the game this weekend. Our first game back at Amy Park in seventy eight uh, sorry twenty twenty eight days and it's um, you know we were we were really excited to be back in front of our our fans and unfortunately yeah, due to the COVID situation we've had to uh, fly out late last night. We arrived in Brisbane so we're spending the weekend in Brisbane. We'll play on Saturday night. At, at Seabus uh, at Stadium on the Gold Coast against the Newcastle Knights. And, and then we still don't know yet where we'll go from there in terms of uh, the location of our hub for at least, I think, the next couple of weeks. But we're, we're hopeful of returning to Victoria sooner rather than later.
1: When did you find out this news? Oh, through the course of yesterday, we were
13: in discussions with the NRL, with the Victorian government and uh, with health authorities working through the various different scenarios and contingency plans that, you know, at certain points, we were still hopeful of the game going ahead, hopeful of a reduced capacity, and then even just hopeful to be staying in Melbourne and playing the game, even in front of it, even with no crowds. Uh, but unfortunately, as the day uh, went on yesterday, um, you know, it was getting more and more serious in terms of the looming lockdown, and uh, in the end, that meant that we had to get out of Victoria uh, so that the competition could continue and we could play our game in Queensland on the weekend.
1: What about financially for your club? I mean, it's, there's been hits left, right, and centre clearly, but not having those scheduled home games. I mean, what what is the really what what is the nature of that? Can you how confronting is it?
13: Yeah, look, it has a a really big impact. You know, you have your home games
1: and um, they're really important
13: revenue streams for for sports clubs and uh, we've already missed out on two home games this year in Melbourne, so this will be a third and um, we're working really closely with, firstly, the NRL in terms of what the financial support would look like in terms of uh, the overall season and then uh, there's also a lot of support that we can access or hopefully we can access through uh, the Victorian state government as well um so yeah it has had an enormous financial impact uh, across corporate sponsorship uh, events merchandise and of course ticket sales so um it's really frustrating and it's challenging but um you know we've been here before and we'll and we'll get through it
1: what about the conditions that your your players will be forced into now and how strong your message has to be to the players when I mean, we've seen the issues with the Dragons and, and all sorts mm. of things and controversies with the players in the competition. How strong are you with your group on that?
13: Well, not so much about being strong. It's more about being really clear in our communication and understanding of what the rules and the protocols are. Our group, though, has been incredible from the start. Mm. You know, even even yesterday we had six Origin players who boarded a charter flight from Brisbane to Melbourne and when they arrived in Melbourne, they got told that they have to turn around in two hours time and fly back to Brisbane um, so this group is incredibly resilient uh, they're a great group of you know young men who um, have a lot of humility and, and respect not only for each other but for the Melbourne storm and for the competition so um, you know we've been really uh, focused on making sure that we adhere to all the protocols and um, our group continues to do that we're now in Queensland under level four restrictions um, in the next couple of weeks once all the New South Wales teams have also done two weeks in Queensland uh, fingers crossed barring any outbreaks or um, um, you know indiscretions uh, the entire competition will be in Queensland but won't be under any protocols so uh, the restrictions will be lifted and you know our players and and the competition and the teams will be able to move around relatively freely in Queensland
1: Justin Rodsky is the CEO of the Melbourne Storm. The team have been in home for just two weeks. That's in Melbourne. They've now been forced to head back to Queensland. Are there any reservations from the players in terms of questioning whether it's worth going or not?
13: No, look, there was there wasn't. But uh, you know, we we were we were really clear again in in terms of letting them know that if you know for whatever reason they didn't want to go, um, you know, we were we were well and truly comfortable with that. Um, you know, we really understand everybody's got uh, their own personal circumstances with family um, thankfully the NRL um, were fantastic in terms of providing us with the opportunity for our players, our coaches and our footy staff to bring their families with them last night so um, we had I think 16 partners and about 18 kids on the charter flight last night but you know we've still got a lot of families, uh, a lot of partners and, and children still in Melbourne Um, so it's difficult uh, it's really challenging and you know it can often get forgotten and I was listening yesterday to to um, to Patrick Dangerfield and the discussion around you know the toll it takes on families and I don't think it can ever be underestimated that how many people are making a lot of sacrifices to be away from their families to to keep elite sport going and um, so We're hopeful there'll be another window for the rest of our families to get up to Queensland at some point. Um, But we're also hopeful that the team can return to Melbourne and that will be the best
1: outcome. Mm. And phenomenal on-field performance. So, I mean, congratulations to your leadership, to the leadership of Craig and to your players to to be still on top of the ladder and and clearly the best team in it over the last 18 months and for a long period of time is an absolute credit to you. Thanks for your time this morning and good luck and hopefully you're back home soon.
13: Thanks, Kane. Really appreciate it.
1: Justin Rodsky is the Melbourne Storm CEO. Uh, Breaking news coming to hand this morning. Um, Confirmed Australian Olympic team has had its first positive, tennis player Alex DiMenoa. He's not yet in Tokyo, but unfortunately he has pulled out of the Olympics. That is uh, Chris Reason, who was just tweeting. Now, we do have some audio of that announcement. It comes from Ian Chesterman, who's the chef de mon of the Australian Olympic team. Let's have a listen.
6: We have been advised that Alex de has had a positive test at his uh, mandatory 96-hour and 72-hour pre-departure tests. So as a consequence, sadly, Alex will be uh, unable to join the Australian team here in Tokyo. We're very disappointed for, for Alex. He said that he's shattered not being able to come. It's been a dream since he was a child to represent Australia at the Olympic Games, but he has sent his very best wishes for the rest of the team. We will now notify the ITF. Um, As we know, Alex was due to play singles and doubles. His doubles partner, John Pears, and we're still very hopeful that John can still be part of this Australian Olympic team. We do know that uh, no players, other tennis players, have had physical contact with Alex since uh, he left Wimbledon on July 5, where he tested negative. And all other Australian players have tested negative since.
1: There you have it, that's uh, the Aussie shift Demi, Demi, sorry I'll get that wrong Ian Chesterman um, from the Australian Olympic team um, Alex Demenor tested positive to coronavirus he will not be going to the Olympics there's a fair bit going on actually at the Olympics at the moment there's uncertainty over Liz Cambage is placed in the Opal side after an incident in a scrimmage against another nation so a little bit happening this morning The the rules around it in terms of if you test positive you are out I mean it's on a knife's edge, isn't it? Bradley Bill from the USA team played against the Boomers on Tuesday. He now tests positive. So if one Boomer gets it off him, an opponent, what happens to the whole of the uh, Boomers team? Now, it's a little bit easier in individual sports, not easier, but a little bit less complicated in team sports where it can wipe out a whole team. I mean, there's a fair bit to play out between now and next Friday. Let's get to Phil, who is in Hoppers Crossing, uh, who wants to get back to a couple of confusing rules in the game? Good on you, Phil. Yeah, good day, okay, mate. Um, mate, I, I am. I've been seething
0: for weeks and weeks. I hate it when you, a, a player makes position and then he's pushed in the back, going through work, and, and the umpires do nothing about it. Tom Hawkins of Geelong is a perfect example. He's a great player, having a great year. When he uses his his strength and pushes somebody in the side turn up. But there's always a couple there where you just blatantly push a player in the back and run into an open goal. What are these umpires doing about this rule? It's
9: ridiculous.
1: It's not one that I'm hot on, Phil. I like players being rewarded for their strength. I think sometimes they get penalised just for being too strong in a marking contest. At times they can can ragdoll their opponent and push them out of the way and the player exaggerates it and they're penalised. I don't think a player should ever be penalised for their strength. So it's not not one that I'm hot on, mate, but appreciate your passion on the issue and having your say this morning. Tom's in South Melbourne. G'day to you, Tom. You you want to applaud a recent caller we had. Her name was Catherine. She defended Geelong.
10: Tano, great to talk to you, mate. Love the show. Uh, I do. I just wanted to echo those sentiments because I, I couldn't have put it any better myself, particularly about the, uh, the no-thick head policy. It was a very, very astute call, um, particularly around... Tom Hawkins being made an example of, and, and Stevie J, I just thought it was great. But that wasn't the reason for my call. Um, Brian Taylor, I tell you what, I don't know what Geelong ever did to him, but he clearly hates us. Um, I've watched a lot of games where he's commentating, and everything we do is either lucky, a fluke, um, or it should have been a free kick against. Last night, when Patrick Dangerfield took that mark in the first quarter, yeah, he sprayed the kick. It was a it was a terrible kick. But that mark, you know, floating across the the front of the pack. Was an absolute ripper. BT barely raised an octave. He he could not have cared less. Um, if that was you know Shy Bolton or Dustin Martin or anyone else, he would have absolutely lost the plot. But when it's us, he just he just doesn't care, and he and he, he literally hates it. So I just I just don't understand why.
1: Come on, BT, you got to lift. Cat fans aren't happy with your commentary. It, it's amazing. A lot, a lot of club supporters think that certain commentators have it in for them. I I, I get that a lot. More often than not, it's not the case. Maybe BT just suffering from not being in the stadium at that moment and not being caught up in the atmosphere. But good on you, uh, Tom. Thanks for your thoughts, mate. So there's a fair bit going on with the Australian Olympic team. Just confirmed Alex Demonor was headed to play in the tennis over there. He was excited by that. He um, So the timeline of events, he left the Wimbledon bubble on July the 2nd. He tested positive, tested negative on July the 5th. He then flew to Spain and developed symptoms and July the 10th has tested positive. He won't be going um, to the Olympics. We wish him all the best. I think a lot of people admire and love the way that Alex goes about it. So hopefully his health um, is okay. And there's a lot going on with Liz Cambage as well. Now they're saying Aussie superstar Liz Cambage Olympic campaign is in doubt following multiple alleged incidents at the team's Las Vegas camp. So we'll bring you more details on that one as well because um, she's you know, the Opals. Absolutely one of our best medal shots, and she's their best player and an absolute star. So fair bit going on, and, and you think Andrew Bogart, her foe on social media, isn't currently lapping this up on social media right now? Nick's in Brisbane. Hi, Nick.
3: Morning, Kane. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, i wonder if you can help me or shed some light on deliberate out of bounds. You see when there's a um delivery out of bounds the umpires are rushing to give them if and do the boundary umpires help in that because they're generally the ones that see it from the best angle because the uh, you know ground umpires are inboard and the boundary umpires are actually the ones on the outside seeing it do they hmm. do they assist at all do they give their thoughts on it because it just on the TV it doesn't seem like it but um you know I'd like no, to they see. well they
1: don't they don't niggle unless there's the odd wink or a nod or you know, some sort of body language between the field umpire and the bound umpire. The only time the the bound umpire gets involved is if it's some confusion whether it's out of bounds on the full or whether it's been touched or whether it's come off a knee or a foot. And if it's out of bounds, they're consulted there as the goal umpires are. But in terms of making any field umpiring decisions, that that is not the case. But yeah, you're not I, so I much the,
3: decisions. I mean, wouldn't they? Now, wouldn't they be able to give a better idea of what's going on, though?
1: Yeah, Being probably. that they are the closest and, it, umpire? And you could, you could help, say the same... To help it? Well, you could say the same about goal umpires, couldn't you? Holding in the Agreed. goal square. absolutely. You know, the goal umpires absolutely. have a better view. So should should these umpires have more power or does that create yeah, more not confusion? Not so much power, but more Well, it is. If, you, discussion, if a goal umpire is going to pay a, pay a free kick in a golf square or have an influence over that, then you are giving them more power. There's more training bit more confusion. Four umpires is enough. Are we going to go to to eight? I'm not sure. But should they be consulted? Yeah, perhaps Perhaps they could be a little bit more. Nick, thanks for your thoughts, mate. Uh, right now, it is 19 minutes past 10 o'clock. Nearly 20 minutes past. 1-300-736-736. There's so much going on um, with the Opals and with the Boomers. The former Boomer is Chris Anstey. He was a star. Uh, played in the NBA as well. And we often get him on to speak all things basketball. He's going to do that for us next so stick around. We'll talk to Chris next.
2: On SEN. the captain's run with Kane Corns. Now Booker with Tucker on him. Throws it up for Aiton. Shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. What a block from Giannis. This is one
9: of the great recovery plays you'll ever see. The lob, Booker, to Aiton. We've seen it many times. And that reaction block is special multiple effort on the play stops the
5: penetration of booker doesn't give up turns elevates blocks the layup
4: attempt that's big time
1: by young what an nba final series we have so let's go all the way to that part of the world where we find jim is from the milwaukee sentinel jim we have a series thanks for your time
0: Ah, oh, thanks for having me and yeah you're right uh Took a little bit of effort for the Bucks, but you're right. It's a, it's reset now in a in a best of three. Well,
1: it is best of three now. So two teams each at home, and we are two two. So no one's dropped the home game yet. Who do you who do you favor from here, Jim? It really is difficult to pick. Yeah, you know, early on, you know, before Giannis got hurt, before
0: we knew he was going to come back, and, and clearly not really show many effects of, of that injury, I, I thought Phoenix would win this series in seven and that was largely um, because of that home court. Um, You know, they've earned it. Um, Both of these teams are really good winning at home or the road, very evenly matched. I think we're seeing that now, um, especially that Giannis is sort of full speed after that first game. So I I mean, but it's close. Uh, You know, I, I, I really couldn't argue with anyone who thinks the bucks could win in six or seven. Uh, just as I, I don't think anyone, I could argue with anyone who thinks the other ways.
1: Well, let's talk about Giannis because th- there's always been some limitations to his game, or, or people have been quick to point out what he can't do. He doesn't have a great three point shot. He's not he's not super from the free throw line. Um, sometimes his shot selection can be questioned, but he's now separated himself, and he is in perhaps one of five genuine superstars that we have. I mean. What's your thoughts on the way that he's been covered in the sport? It is interesting. Um, I think he's he's sort of a lightning rod because he doesn't
0: fit into any nice boxes. You know, um, he doesn't really fit the game as we see it in terms of shooting three pointers or, um, you know, maybe kind of a flashy perimeter game, if you will. You know, he gets, criticized for trying to add things to his game, like a three-point shot or mid-range, you know, attempts. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of old school, and the Shaq comparison comes up because he's so dominant around the rim, but he just looks different. He moves different. You know, he, he brings the ball up the court and ball handles and facilitates. So I think sometimes you can appreciate what he's doing in terms of the total numbers, right, when you kind of zoom out and you see, wow, 40 and 10, two straight games. Or, quote, unquote, he has a bad day and it's 27 points and 14 rebounds. But how he does it it can be a little, uh, I don't want to say jarring, but just hard to process for, I think, the modern NBA fan because it doesn't look like – the stars now, it also doesn't look like the stars back in the day either, mm. which is maybe the hard part of being, uh, you know, they call him a unicorn, right? I, you know, th- there's one of one. And maybe that's just the the hard part of being that kind of guy.
1: Part of it as well. And the, the complete package is the way that he, the way that he carries himself. I mean, he, he appears to me to be the, the perfect teammate. Like, he's competitive. He's tough. A place to adversity. He brings his teammates into the game. Eight assists yesterday. Uh, he represents the club beautifully well. Um, you know, every time he speaks to the media, he, he doesn't really put a foot wrong. Is that correct? Like, is is there any criticism on the way that he carries himself? There can't be. No, no. I think you know from the moment he stepped
0: foot in Milwaukee as a teenager you know, all those years ago, um, learning the game and, and learning Western culture, to be quite honest, or American culture, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that has never been a question. I mean, he look, th- there were times when he was punished by coaches, you know, if he was m- making mistakes in, in practice by having, you know, his teammates run. And he had to watch that because that hurt him more than himself having to run, you know, run off a of punishment, if you will. I mean, he's always had the team first. And I think, you know, sometimes it's his his ability to facilitate, and he has a desire to set his teammates up for success. That I think early on, you know, coach, you know, Jason Kidd had to say, "No, I, <laughs> you're you're kind of the special one, so maybe try to dictate mm-hmm. offense as well." Um, you know, so I think, yeah, in terms of representing his team, and then yeah, look, he he signed. It was the biggest story of the off season. Re-signing a supermax deal to stay in Milwaukee for five more years—that uh, is a rare thing uh, in this league. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone outside of Milwaukee expected that, but he's look he, he, from day one. He said he's a loyal guy, and and that's what matters to him. Um, and then when he followed through on his word, it seemed to be surprising to people. <laughs> so mm. you're right. I think uh, you know th- there are no questions or concerns on that end. Of
1: Jonas and the Kumba. So, Jim, we're we're in Australia at the moment. Melbourne's in lockdown. Sydney's in lockdown. And I see um, the crowds yesterday at, in Milwaukee, and the crowds in Phoenix, like phenomenal noise and scenes. It's it's amazing to witness it. Have you? Are you there? Are you going to the games? And you, can you describe that atmosphere and what it's like to be opening up again and and actually going to watch live sport? Yeah. So
0: we are live. Uh... In person for, for all of these games, I've been traveling to, you know, since the, the playoffs started, Miami, Brooklyn, Atlanta, speaking of the Bucks, and here in Phoenix. Now, uh, just for, for your listeners, I guess, the NBA is still trying to be as careful as possible with the people they can control, meaning the players, I, I believe, are still tested every day to some capacity. Um, I know we have to wear masks. The players and coaches have to wear masks. Uh, We media, uh, we have to be vaccinated and COVID tests every day in order to be there and be in the same room as the players. Now, of course, you watch television, as you said, that's 17, 18, 19,000 people um, not wearing masks, not socially distant. Uh, I think that's just where America is, to be quite honest. That's where the cities are in terms of feeling okay about you know, the, the, the COVID rates in these cities, I mean, it clearly has not gone away. As you well know, as you just said, even here in the United States, um, certain cities are seeing spikes again with the variant. So uh, on one hand, it's really cool. It's so nice to think of just where we were in December, January, February with no fans. Um, But it's a little, I mean, we're still in it, right? We're still wearing masks Mm. and having to go through this. So there's still the daily reminder of this global pandemic. Um, so it's a little bit of a, you know, you enjoy it, but you, you know, there's still a little bit of a barrier, if that makes sense. And there is some, un- quite frankly, um, when you see 25,000 people out in the beer district in Milwaukee, it's a cool scene. It makes you feel good. Uh, you know, as, as a citizen, as, as thinking, Hey, maybe people are healthy, but you're still like, Oh, should we still be doing this? You know? Mm. So that, that's all it's, It's an interesting feel. I I will say that.
1: Yeah, well said. Uh, I guess we get reminders of what you just said with with Team USA and Bradley Beal. I think there's been another positive case in Team USA this morning. So what's your thoughts on that and and whether this puts their Olympic campaign in jeopardy?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think that's always the the risk now, I think, when um, you try to separate players into different things, whether it be... Um, team USA, or you know, maybe if, if they're going to go train with other groups, you know, in the off season like they the, like guys like to do. Um, and look, in terms of that, I mean, you know, the Olympics. I think I think some countries, maybe Japan itself, a little uneasy about it. I, I know there won't be spectators to a degree, um, and yeah, this type of thing can sideline a team. You know, uh, hopefully everyone else on Team USA currently is, is is okay, and there's the contact tracing. But once you get to Tokyo and all that, I mean, man, that that's a lot of pressure on those those players, uh, these these international programs across all sports, right, mm. to get to Japan safely. Mm. You know, because then you think they're kind of in a the bubble there. I, I would think, but but you're right. It's um, until they're there. Uh, you know, this is something everyone's got to be careful with.
1: Yeah, so as we look ahead to to game five, I guess the storyline out of the NBA Finals is either going to be Giannis going to a new level, two-time MVP, now an NBA champion, or it's going to be Phoenix's Chris Paul at at his age and um, with him not winning a championship yet. Is Chris Paul injured, though? He hasn't looked right, particularly, well, yesterday and in the last couple of games.
0: Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry, my connection fuzzed out on me there a little bit. Can you please repeat that?
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you about the storyline relating to Chris Paul. It's going to be amazing if he becomes the champion. That'll be a a massive story for him, but he doesn't look healthy. Do you you think he's carrying an injury? You know, that's a good question. Uh, You know, I I think, I mean, look,
0: that that shoulder injury early in the playoffs was not a joke, and obviously he also missed time with Um, COVID-19. I'm sure Chris would tell us now he's fine. He's no worse off than any other player at this point in the finals. I I wonder if it's not so much injury, if it's, he's 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in mid to late July now. And he, he's, he's being now, the bucks are forcing him after those first couple games to work 94 feet. You know, I, I don't know if anyone in Milwaukee thought Jeff Teague was going to have a role in these NBA finals, but he's been out there largely to just get in Chris Paul's way and make him Move and work for those extra six seven seconds. And Drew Holiday said after the game last night, he said, "I, I hope it's working because I'm tired,"
8: <laughs> you know. Mm.
0: And and but that's the point is to kind of push Chris Paul's, you know, legs and and his stamina in terms of being able to to do things. Now, I, you know, does one result in the other? It, it's hard to actually know. But look. The Arizona beat writers have thought that Monty Williams' substitution patterns with Paul these last two games have been a little different. They wonder why. Of course, Monty Williams isn't going to say why, but they have been different. Um, he's turned the ball over a lot. Where was he on offense last night? I mean, his, you know, his shots aren't there. So it is. I don't know if he's hurt. I think the Bucks are putting a lot of pressure on him. So in these next three games. How do the Suns respond to that and maybe try to free him up?
1: Absolute classic series we've got in front of us. uh, Potentially three games to go. Jim, thank you so much for your wrap. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Jim Azarski, there from the Milwaukee Sentinel, traveling around watching the NBA Finals. It's uh, a little bit of jealousy that we say that here in the country at the moment and seeing those fans turn out and the noise that they are making in the atmosphere is something that uh, we're all aspiring to get back to, hopefully sooner rather than later. It is the captain's run still to come. We're going to hear from Port Adelaide CEO Matthew Richardson. Where will that game be played? Still question marks and not confirmed. And their opponent is St Kilda. The impressive skipper, Jack Steele, is going to have a chat to us after 11. A couple of minutes to 11 o'clock, coming up after 11, Saints fans. Jack Steele, the co-skipper, will join us on the line to have a chat about all things St Kilda and how they've turned their form around. In the meantime, let's go to Point Cook and speak to Andy. G'day, Andy. Morning, Kano. How are you? Good, thanks. Mate, I've been a bit busy, haven't
13: had the radio on this morning, but I'm just ringing up to let you know. I don't know if you've been speaking about it, but I've just read that Queensland's are making Victoria a red zone and closing the border tomorrow at 1am, mm. which means we're going to have six teams in Victoria that are going to have to decide if they're getting on a plane this afternoon or not.
1: Well, they can play their game and they can they can get out of Queensland. Um uh, that's as to go stands, into they... quarantine. Yeah. If they're not yeah, in by but, one but... o'clock
13: tomorrow morning, they've got 14 days quarantine.
1: Yeah, but they're already there. So the, the seven teams are, are no, already the teams there. No, the teams that
13: are in Victoria. Teams that are in Victoria.
1: Yeah, I yeah, understand. Uh, I understand all that. I thought you were referencing the teams that are already there. Um Look, there's still games being played in Victoria uh, without fans. Victoria are still allowing teams in from Queensland. So, I mean, there's always the prospect that you could have games in Victoria, even though it's in um, lockdown. And look, this is all above my pay grade in terms of putting the AFL fixture ahead. The the AFL, as it sits right now, has options. um, And Queensland in the past have shown leniency towards the AFL and... Despite Victoria's situation, they have allowed some leniencies that other people don't get. So I don't know where it all sits. It's a tough job for the AFL. They'll be fully across it. Certainly complicated. Big show still to come in the next hour.
2: On SEN, the captain's run with Cane Corns.
1: Yeah, a fair bit going on in the first couple of hours. Uh, News out of the Olympics is that Alex De will not be going after testing positive. So thoughts with Alex and hopefully he um, is okay and isn't too asymptomatic and and too sick from it. But the, the devastating news for him from a sporting perspective is that he won't be going. Also, Liz Cambage, we're still waiting for an announcement on exactly what is going on, but now uh, wide-ranging reports that she was involved in uh, an incident, a scrimmage against Nigeria that resulted in a bit of a blow-up. Also some reports um, coming to hand that she may have broken the bubble in Vegas and broken protocols there and another incident being alleged as well. So her place on the Opals team is now seriously in question. We're going to speak to Port Adelaide CEO Matthew Richardson a little bit later on this hour and we've also got the quiz your calls as well one 736 736 but it's time now to get to our next guest one of the most admired players in the game and one of the strongest leaders has emerged his name is jack Steele, and he joins us jack thanks so much for your time
7: thanks for having me take on
1: great uh, chaos for you chaos for everyone uh, particularly those teams in victoria what do you know about tomorrow night's game
7: uh for now, we know it's being played in Melbourne um, until, until we hear anything else. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty set on, on playing here. Unfortunately, we won't have, be able to have our fans. Yeah, I think it's our first home game um, you know, in six weeks at Mobile Stadium. So it's very unfortunate that Melbourne's going to lock down and we can't have our fans yet. But mm. until we hear anything else, um, we're, we're playing here.
1: Jack, have you been told the final decision, the date and time of your game tomorrow?
7: Um, yeah, no, we're just... As long as we have our phones on ourselves, um, we're sort of just literally waiting for a message to hear otherwise, but um, I'm sure they'll let us know as soon as they find out the club and, and the AFL. So yeah, like I said before, we're, we're pretty keen to, to play at Marvel, um, but we'll just wait and see if anything changes first because things aren't looking too great here in, in Melbourne.
1: A lot goes into captaincy. Most of it is how you perform on, on game day, which you tick. What have you learnt in the last 18 months about, you know, keeping the group up in challenging situations like this? How uh, how big has that been in your development as a skipper?
7: Um, it's It's been huge, really, and it's it's all been, um, you know, helped and guided along by, by Gears, my, my co-skipper and the rest of the leadership group um, because I'm you know, I've been sort of thrown in the deep end with it all, I guess. I we, we didn't have a great start to the year and Gears wasn't playing, but um being able to keep the energy up at the start of the year was the one thing that we needed and um you can definitely see it lacked at times in some of our games. Our energy and effort was, was you know, pretty far off the mark. So something that I've been able to work on and and um I suppose get going for this this back half of the year and um I'm not saying our our form's sort of, you know, credited to me, but um yeah, it's definitely been a challenge for me and something that I feel like I've worked on and, and um, yeah, our group's sort of thriving at the moment, which is good, so we just sort of have to ride the wave a little bit and, and keep the wins coming.
1: Mm. What's your style? Is it, you know, chuck your arm around the guys and give them a bit of a cuddle or is it a bit more harder edge than that? Can you give us an insight into to what you like? We see on the field, but off the field. Yeah, well, I think,
7: I think being um, only 25 still, I, I have the ability to have really good friendships with the blokes that are older than me and younger than me, so... I suppose I do have that hard edge in me, um, but I'm, I'm also able to, to throw my arm around the bloke next to me and, and help him through some situations, whatever it may be. So I feel like I've got a really connection, really good connection with uh, most of the players on the list. And, um, yeah, things things are going well. I, I think they respect me. So um, that's, that's the most important thing.
1: So, mate, what's been the catalyst in the change of form? Can you put it down to one thing in particular?
7: Uh, we definitely had conversations um, around... Uh, different aspects of our game, including our board movement and defence, that we needed to change. Um, And especially doing that for four quarters, something we probably hadn't done for the first part of the year was would fall out of games, would be competitive for most of it, and then just drop off in the last quarter and and lose the four points. So being able to sort of run out games is something that we're trying to focus on as much as possible. Um, And I suppose you can see it against Richmond, um and last week we we had a great four quarters um and we had a lot of blokes playing their roles um especially our younger lads tommy highmore max king ben long They were un- unreal last last week and um you know they're the ones who really got us over the line they were un- unbelievable so just having those role players really stick to their role and get it done
1: patty Ryder doesn't do a lot of media but he, he gave one of the more insightful interviews i've heard all year and i wish i could credit the station that it was on, but basically he said you sat each other down, uh, after that Adelaide loss, you had the mid season break and you put it on each other in terms of your professionalism, um, your intensity, your training standards. Was that an issue, Jack? Had it, had it slipped at the club?
7: Yeah, I just think little standards had definitely slipped. I feel like, um, I, I feel like blokes were walking in the club and were a little bit too comfortable. Um, you know, if you're if you're late to a meeting, then there wouldn't be a punishment. Um, you know, if you missed a kick, there wouldn't be any sort of repercussions from it at training. Not that there really should be, but um, we're professional athletes and we we should be able to you know do those certain things. Um, so, really, just to tighten up on a few things, and by um, doing that, that just sort of translate translates to um, you know on field performance. So. We've definitely tightened it up and, and things have changed for us, so we just got to keep doing it. Mm,
1: so the, the average St. Kilda fan would, would go, and it ha- you play footy for a long time, you see these things happen and they seep into the group and you don't even realise it's happening until someone notices it. But the average fan would go, well, well hang on, you, you get paid good money, you're professional athletes, it's your job. How does this happen? Um, so how does it happen?
7: Yeah, it just, it just creeps in. It yeah. um, happens, over, happens over time and blokes just accept the standards they walk past, really. Um, so every now and again, I think it happens at most clubs. You, mm. you do need to tighten up. You do need to sort of um, look at yourself and review what you're doing. Um, you know, which we which we did probably probably too too late. Probably needed it a lot earlier. But um, I'm definitely glad we've done it now and we've got the standard. And we just got to keep going for now and, and review it when we when we can.
1: Must be nice playing with Paddy Ryder. How much of a luxury has that been for you?
7: Yeah, he's still. Um, He's still got his leap on him. I think he's getting a little bit slower sort of outside the initial contest. He's he's struggling a bit on the spread, but um as you would when you get, you know, 34 and have played 250 games. So, but yeah, he's unreal. We've been on the end of um, you know, Paddy's work. Robbie Gray kicked that goal against us a couple of years yeah. ago which yeah. which hurt, but um it's great to have him on our side now and he's probably one of my best one of my favorite teammates to play with over my journey in the AFL and um, you know, I credit my season last year and my season this year to, to him. And, and um, you know, what he does just helps me so much. And uh, the person he's around the club, he's, he's, he's just such a good bloke and he, um, he contributes so much to the group. So we love him and we love how he's going.
1: And the stats don't lie, really, Jack. When Ryder and Marshall play together, you hardly lose.
7: Yeah, well, I think Rowan is such a good ruckman in his own right. But he's also a really good forward too, so he's really the perfect player that we need. Um, gives Max King a chop, chop out down forward, and sort of allows our forwards, our small forwards, to get to work. So obviously, it's always a bit of a pain when you when you don't have a, a second ruckman and you need a ruck one in your mids. Um, you know, uh twenty five percent of stoppages in the game. So to have him come in and chop Paddy out and give mid first use still is is so important to us and important to getting the ball moving forward. So it's um. It's been good for us. Just gotta hope they stay healthy because when they don't play, um, you know, we seem to, to struggle in that front.
1: And on port, they're fifth on the ladder, so your group must see it as a great opportunity to get a scout.
7: Absolutely. We um we see it as a game that we, we really need to win. Um, we've always had a few good wins uh the last couple of weeks. So we just gotta take the belief that we've got from those games into this week. Um, you know, playing on a home deck is something we love. And, you know, we're we're pretty happy we're not playing at Port um at bloody um Adelaide Oval, sorry, um, for this one. We already played in there this year, so and that didn't end too well. So we're pretty happy to be playing it in Melbourne for now and If we can get the four points, but we will and see. Hey,
1: there's a bit of talk about um, your next superstar, and I don't say that lightly. He's going to be anything Max King and his goal kicking. Uh, He approached Matty Lloyd and and the club sort of weren't that comfortable going externally. They kept it internally, and the results have been great. He he looks a different player in the last fortnight. What work has he done? Who's he done the work with? And, And how impressed have you been with his goal kicking improvement?
7: um yeah he's been unreal the last couple of weeks but i think he's just stuck to the process i know he's been working fairly closely with jared ruffett who's down here and um yeah one thing i suppose the club didn't want max to have his mixed messaging and um too many voices so um yeah no disrespect to lloyd it was more just about keeping it pretty simple for max and um like you said obviously he's he's turned around his form and he's and his straight goal kicking so something that you know, we love to have his uh, four of the kick goals. It definitely puts on a bit of pressure for the opposition when he's up and going. So, um, I suppose with Max, we've just got to keep the ball rolling and get it in and let him do the work.
1: Hey, one of our favourites is Luke Dunstan. He's a South Australian boy. Um, his last, well, let's go through his last four weeks, 26, 32, 27, 29, and a stack of clearances in that. Did you think his career at the Saints was done?
7: Personally, I did, but um, I knew... I knew the type of player he is. You know, I've played a number of games with Luke and, um, you know, he's a really close mate of mine. So I see the work he puts in, especially early this year and uh, at VFL level. So um, it's sort of good to see it all come to fruition for him um, because it is well-deserved and I'm glad that he's sort of reaping the rewards of it all. So I'm I'm certainly not surprised. Mm. um, But, yeah, it's it's just great to see him going. So hopefully... um, you know he can he can continue this the rest of the season and help us move forward.
1: It's a pretty good lesson, isn't it? like it for everyone else to think he's done and and apparently there were some conversations with the club and he knew it was going to be difficult for himself you know good mate you you think you know his time is done, but he didn't, and he still believed i mean what, what does it say about his character
7: oh yeah he's he's as resilient as they' come, and his attitude is something that he's turned around um in his career, I think. You know, he was an early draft pick and played a lot of footy early at the Saints when we went going too well and um, I wouldn't say I was given to him. He still had to work, but he played a lot of footy. So for him to sort of be put out of the side and told that he wasn't going to play, um, it's just he's a credit to his, his person and um, yeah, it's it's an unbelievable story.
1: Love the way you go about it. Clearly, um, one of the most admired players in the game. As he's Ollie wines like his numbers are through the roof. What about you two going head to head on Saturday?
7: Um, well, we're just about to walk into our <laughs> oppo meeting at the moment, so I might have to hold on that one. But you know, Ollie's a, a great great player and someone who's had an awesome year, um, and someone I like playing against a lot. He's, he's a big inside bull and definitely challenges me. So, looking forward to um, to the potential, I suppose, midfield battle between us. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can get the four points this time. That's for sure.
1: Good on you, mate. We'll let you go to your meeting. Uh, really appreciate you coming on our program, mate, and giving us your time. Good luck tomorrow. Cheers, you guys appreciate it thank you thank you skipper jack still there speaking to us so as um, the interview is progressing there it appears likely as you just heard with jack that that game um, tomorrow between port adelaide and st kilda will be shifted to either a day or a twilight slot now port adelaide were scheduled to fly out um, today to melbourne to play st kilda they've been postponed that flight and the afl currently working Um, with the South Australian government to allow Port Adelaide to fly in, fly out on the Saturday and not have to quarantine for 14 days considering South Australia shut their borders to Victoria yesterday.
2: On SEN, the captain's run with cane corns.
1: Yes, good morning to you. Still got a bit to get through in the next half an hour or so. We're going to hear from Port Adelaide CEO Matthew Richardson. It appears... Likely that game between the Saints and Port Adelaide will just be shifted to an earlier time slot, be that probably, most likely a twilight time to allow Port Adelaide to fly in on a chartered flight, fly home on the same day after the game and not be required to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, Our man Shams, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to attempt it, but the uh, legendary newsbreaker over there, Sharania. I think that's not quite right, but you get the picture, has just tweeted um, about an hour or so ago, Australian guard Josh Giddy, a potential high lottery pick, has received an invitation to the 2021 NBA draft green room at the Barclay Centre, um, which is massive because you don't go to the green room unless you're probably a top, probably top 10. He's now probably firming as that. We had him on the captain's run. This is Josh Giddy I'm talking about earlier on in the year and we asked him about the prospect of him Heading to the NBA, it's nice to look back and reflect on his answer. And you've been, you know, pretty open with your desire to head to the NBA. Is the 2021 draft? Is that still the goal for you? Yeah, well, I mean, that is the goal. But I mean, if you know,
10: if I have to stay another year in the NBL and yeah. play again, I'm more than happy to do that. It's, just, it's not really about getting there the quickest. It's kind of when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I feel I'm ready to go. So for me, staying another year, you know, I'm more than happy to do that.
1: Who is the NBA player that you, um, or who's your favourite? Yeah, we just uh, had an extra little answer there from me, but you get the picture. That was actually March 2020 that we had him on the program. So going back a fair way, his his game has developed um, that quickly, and he's made that big of an impression in his one season in the NBL with the Adelaide 36ers that he's now off to the green room on draft night. When is it? The drafts must be Friday, I reckon. I'll get that. You check that for me if you can, Benny. But the NBA draft has been lost a little bit in the NBA finals, but. Massive news for Josh Giddy, who has a huge future, and it's been nice to get him on the captain's run a couple of times throughout the last couple of seasons. Uh, Jamari Hugo Hagen, is going to play again. There was some thought whether it might just be one in, one out for him. Luke Beveridge, the coach of the Dogs, explains why. Well,
3: I was alluding to my my old mentor and uh, first senior coach in Don Northy, and that was his philosophy that if you struggled on your first one, to give you a go the second time around, and um, and yeah, look, it's, uh, we haven't, uh, if you think back, we started the year with, with Tim and Steph Martin in the ruck and Norts and Brucey forward. So we had the the four bigger guys and, um, we haven't had that luxury. We, Louis Young's been moving around a little bit, filling gaps and roles here and there, Played a little bit forward, um, almost, in a in a Steph Martin way, really. And, uh, I'd say this week just gives us an opportunity to see Brucey and Norts and, and Mara play with Tim, you know, and, and see how it looks. And, uh, and Mara will be better for the experience. It's, uh, there's, there's always a little bit of self-doubt or um, preparation that you're, uh, you, you know, that you're sort of on an, on an edge in your first one. And I'm sure you'll be um, a little bit more settled and, and hopefully you can get into the game early. So we just thought you know, the way we wanted to pick out saying that Mara was a player in the uh, in the
1: 22. A few changes
3: for the Dogs. He loves making a change. Luke Beveridge has used
1: basically every player on his list, the most of any team in the competition. So Norton, Crozier, Dunkley's a big one, comes back in with Rourke Smith. Scott, Young, Hannon, Wallace have been omitted. Tom Lubatore has been managed. Uh, Jamara doesn't look up to it, does he? Let, let's be Completely honest, I, you know in one game it's tough to judge, and everything Luke Beveridge said was correct. Uh, the reasons behind that, but he doesn't—he doesn't look ready. I've got no issue with them giving him another game, though, because it's really difficult to wait so long. Get one opportunity, as soon as Norton comes back, you're out. But he—he yeah, pe- he appears, from what you've seen, you can pick up a little bit that he his intensity's not there at the level, and he appears miles off the pace at the moment. So we'll see how he goes. Hopefully, a little bit better in his second game than in his first game. one lines available right now. If you want to jump on and have your say on any sporting topic, there's a fair bit um, to get through the first hour. We spoke about the umpiring and Razor Ray explaining one of the more controversial decisions from round 17 and why it was the correct call to not penalise Archie Perkins, who was spun around 720 in a tackle uh, against Adelaide and, it was confusing for a lot of people, including the Channel 7 commentators who thought it was a free kick, and a lot of other people, to be fair, that probably would have paid that a free kick as well. So the thought that umpiring is just so difficult at the moment, and what can be done to solve that issue would be a nice one. If you've got a thought on that, you can jump on the phone and have your say. We can go to Essendon, I think, and speak to Lockie. So go to Beaconsfield and speak about Essendon with Lockie. G'day to you, Lockie. Caitlin, how are you, mates? Good, thanks.
14: Um, it's a question. So, obviously, the Essendon North game has
7: moved to the Gold Coast. Now, what about the St Kilda-Port Adelaide game and Melbourne-Hawthorn game? Because, I mean, I'm all good for everything, but I guess they give St Kilda a bit more of an advantage We're trying to battle the top eight spot with them effectively. So, how come their game's not moving? Yeah,
1: I assume the thought process was to get a large portion of the teams out um, just in case. So, you'd almost spread your risk. You wouldn't want to have everyone... In Victoria, you wouldn't want everyone in Queensland just in case because of how quickly things change. And the thought of fairness is out the window, isn't it, really? I mean, you just, it's unfortunate the way things can play out. We heard uh, Josh Marnie speak to Gary and Tim this morning. Uh, the bombers thinking, you know, they've done all the heavy lifting, they've got a great run home. I think it was five games at Marvel, and all of a sudden they're out. So everyone's going to cop it. Um, and I don't think fairness, unfortunately, we can afford to take that into the equation at the moment. So I get it. It's not fair, but that's the world we live in. We're, we're still lucky we've got a season going on. G'day, Mau.
9: Hey, mate.
1: How are you, mate? Good, thank you.
11: That's uh, good, mate. Sorry about that. Hey, listen, yeah, Ma- Mara, I have, how do we say his name probably from Western Bullock? Mara Hewitt-Haggles, how do you say
1: Jamara? it? Jamara? Jamara?
11: Jamara. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, as you know, like... Um, Jonathan Brown was famous for his first game; never had a possession, never mm. had a touch. Mm. So I mean, yeah. like, I, mean, I I reckon he's one goal or one mark or one goal away from uh, taking off. All he needs is that one mark, and the, the brain gets going, off he go again. He was—he looked really nervous last week. you' like, he just—I don't think it was his ability; it just was fear. You know what I mean? Once he gets sets that mark, and take, you know, I reckon he'll take off really quickly.
1: Let's hope so. Let's hope that happens. Uh, now I think, you know, we looked at Buddy Franklin's debut on the Sunday Footy Show, and he's the player being compared to most thing, it was six touches and a goal for Buddy. So yeah, but just, you just watch him, the, the eye test, the, the intensity, the fitness level is probably not at the level yet. Um, let's hope his second outing is a little bit better than his first. Quickly get to Martin. Uh, G'day, Martin.
14: G'day.
12: Um, thanks for, Kane, t- thanks for taking my call. Look, Pleasure I just want to, um, I just want to uh, wish everyone well, um, particularly the AFL and the, the, the management team and all the clubs, supporters, um, players, families, you know, we're all in this together. And without our our football, um, we're sort of semi lost and, and, uh, good on everyone for, for attacking this positively and getting through, through all this, um, all we hear about on the news is COVID, but it's lovely Mm. come weekend, even Thursday night now to, to get some football and, um, it's really wonderful for everyone working together through this and uh we'll come out better on the other side and uh you know, in the years to come we'll look back and um hopefully we can uh, rid this thing and, and, and get on with life. But um uh, wish everyone well and uh all
1: the authorities and teams.
12: Um they're doing a good job.
1: Well said, Martin. Absolutely. The AFL has been phenomenal. Uh, Congratulations to you and and to to all of you who listen to the program and who engage and who let us all forget about it for three hours. I certainly love coming on on Fridays and doing that with you where COVID is still there, but it seems to be on the back burner as we talk and debate and get passionate about sport, which is nice for a short window whilst we try and forget everything that's happening in front of our eyes and in on our TV screens. Hey, let's get to the ten thirty, the 11.30, that is, news headlines. Channel 7's Tom Brown has just tweeted, the Saints will play tomorrow in Melbourne as planned. I expect they'll then fly to Perth for seven days, resort slash lockdown, but that part is to be confirmed. There was the potential on the cards of a move to Adelaide for the Port game last night, but that is not on the radar now. Um, amazing that the game... Is tomorrow night as scheduled. And both teams yet to confirm when and where that game will be played. But looking most likely, as you heard from Jack Steele earlier on this morning, that that game will be played in Melbourne. Time to be confirmed. Craig wants to speak about one of those Saints players, Ben Long. G'day, Craig.
8: G'day, Kane. Um Yeah, I reckon the, the move of Rutten putting, swinging Ben Long forward as a defensive forward in the last month is, um been a a winner and uh, he provides a fair bit of pressure. If he he gives away the odd free kick, that's not as bad down forward as it it is down back. And early in the season, he was looking like a bit lost and out of the side. And uh, I think he's pretty dangerous and has some defenders looking over their shoulder wondering where he is.
1: It's been important. I had a look at that uh, on the AFL the round so far show. I do uh, last Saturday night and also the Sunday footy show. So that move has been really important. And your point on the back half of their squad, and look, you go through the names on paper of St Kilda's defence. So Howard, Wilkie, Highmore, Webster, Sinclair, like those five in particular. Not not big names, are they? Not. Don't have big reputations, but what they are delivering far exceeds their expectations. And some of those, Wilkie and and in particular Webster and Wilkie, some of the, probably the two most underrated defenders in the game. And Sinclair's been important as well. And that move you speak of with Ben Long, he's given them something, some life in the forward line. So it's a good point, Craig, that you make. Saints going along just nicely. And what are they? Are they the team most likely to grab eighth spot? Fremantle again, coughing it up last night. Don't look anywhere near the level, so... Let's wait and see. Big turnaround for St Kilda on the cards. Uh, Matt wants to speak about Port Adelaide and the run home. Matt, all of a sudden, it looks difficult.
9: Hey,
8: how's it going, Cato?
9: Yeah, our Port Adelaide, obviously we haven't played the best against the top four sides. But if we can finish strong um, for the rest of the season and beat Bulldogs in the last round, do you give us a chance? Surely you've got to give us a chance to win it. The premiership? Yeah, the premiership.
1: Mm, no, I don't. I d- I don't, Matt. I'm sorry, I, but I, I do call it as I see it, and uh, I've had concerns over them for the, for the year now. A lot of it is out of their control. Uh, they lost another three players, quality players, that is at selection through to injury. They haven't been able to get their um, their A team on the park, so to speak, and their form against the best is is a clue, a significant one, that they're just not quite up to it. I've got real concerns that they about this game tomorrow, particularly now it's still. Uh, in at marvel i picked port adelaide on wednesday when i had to put my tips in but after i saw the team i think it's probably port adelaide's weakest team that they've picked all year so i would change that tip i think st kilda win which makes it a little bit more difficult you can't win it from outside the top four i don't care what anyone says i know it's been done before but it's not happening this year so got to finish top four i don't think port adelaide will get into four spot unfortunately matt thanks for your thoughts mate appreciate it and i like your optimism shane's in roville good day to you shane
7: Okay, Look, I know, um, obviously, COVID hit us, so um, I'm talking about something that might not be a problem, but I know potentially mm. we'll be talking about this in six weeks' time. Um, can we make a decision now to stop the, the ferry fall in five
9: weeks' time? If Geelong finish on top of the ladder and they play the Bulldogs, are they going to play that game in Geelong
7: or not? Can we, can we know that now? And if the Bulldogs finish second on the ladder or fifth and get a home final, are they playing that at Marvel or does it depend mm. who we're playing? Rather than have that conversation in five
11: weeks' time, can we, can we let everyone know now... So that we just don't have to have that conversation.
1: So we don't have the outrage at the time. I f- And and your point is correct. <laughs> we don't even know where tomorrow's game is going to be played. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves in where games we played in eight weeks' time. Hopefully we have that luxury of deciding um, where the games are played and giving it to the teams that earn it. If Geelong finish top, they can play wherever they want, is my view. If Bulldogs finish top or second, they can play that first final, the qualifying final, wherever they want. And they are a six-goal better team, let's pluck that number, but a six-goal better team at Marvel than they are at the MCG. And they deserve the right to play where they want to play on their home deck. They've earned it. They've fought for 23 weeks to get into position to do that. Let them play where it is, particularly now that crowds aren't as relevant as what they were two seasons ago. So I'm, I'm with you, Shano. I agree with you. Hopefully we have that choice to make. Hey, the quiz, the world famous quiz, the best quiz on Australian radio is Chad's brother's quiz. It's coming up next. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 What theme we got, Ben? Um, I don't know. The The wild weekend of sport last weekend. It was a great weekend of sport last weekend. NBA finals, UFC, Wimbledon. It was all happening. Euros, how could I forget that? One of the great weekends of sport last week. That's the theme of the quiz. So if you think you're a sporting guru, just jump on. Get involved in the best quiz on Australian radio. We'll do that next. It's Chad's Brothers Quiz, great prize giveaway. Last person standing, only the strong survive.
2: On SEN, the Captain's Run with Cane Corns. Now it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz curious
1: it's fast sometimes it gets ugly sometimes we even get the answers wrong and don't you let us know about it but it is Chad's brothers quiz and we love it and kicking us off this morning is Andrew in Sunshine Andrew good morning
14: Ken how are you
1: I know you're a big listener you're a sports nut so let's find out your knowledge last week was a sporting feast that we had so this is the theme of the quiz Question one. How many times has Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier now fought in the UFC?
8: Three times.
1: Yes. Well done. Well played to you. Uh, Which nationality is Karolina Pliskova? She's a tennis player. Took on Ash Barty. Uh, Romanian. Romanian. It was a good guess, but it's not. Romanian. Um, but a nice start from you, Andrew, in sunshine. Let's go to Lou. G'day to you, Lou. Welcome to the quiz.
7: Thanks, Kane. She's Czech mate.
1: She is. What well on? just see that's just how you do it. Straight down to business. Don't need the uh the question repeated. Who scored Italy's goal to equalise in the Euro final in the sixty seventh minute?
8: Um it was Oh well. Who was
1: it? Great, right. No, it wasn't. Let's go to Nick. Hi, Nick. Did you watch the Euro final? Nah,
3: mate.
1: Got no idea. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Thanks for the call, mate. Thanks for participating in the quiz. So many of you soccer nuts out there would be losing your mind at this question. You'll be screaming at me on the text line. Let's see if Ken knows. Hi, Ken.
8: G'day, Ken. I've got no idea I'm going to say Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs>
1: wasn't Arthur, uh, no, nah, uh, he's a bit old to be uh, running around there playing in the Euro final. Let's go to Hawthorne and speak to Simon. Hi, Simon. day, Kano. Who scored Italy's goal to equalise in the 67th minute? Uh, Leonardo Bonucci. Yes, well played by you. Uh, basketball knowledge, Simon, 1-10, 10 being the best it could possibly be. Where do you sit?
9: Uh, I follow the finals, I don't follow much else. Somewhere in the
1: middle, about a 5 or a 6. About a 5 or a 6. How many points did Yana score in Game 3 of the NBA Finals on Sunday? So not the game yesterday, the one before that. Uh,
9: 41?
1: Yes. I think you've undersold yourself there, Uh, Simon. Hey, for the win, mate, uh, England's catch cry for all international tournaments is it's coming home. What did the Italy captain Benici say to the camera to mock this after they won?
8: Uh, it's going to Rome.
1: I think we give him that, don't we? Yeah, it's coming Rome. We'll give that to you, Simon. A very comprehensive performance in the quiz. There was no drama. I don't think there was any controversy. You've won a Ringers Western stubby cooler and cap. Ringers Western looks great in the city and it toughs it out in the land. Check out their... Unbelievable range. Wingers, ringers that is, western.com.au. That was Chad's brother's quiz this morning and that's why it is the best quiz on uh, Adelaide. No, not Adelaide, on Australian radio. Um, a fair bit of feedback coming through on the text line right throughout the morning and appreciate that on the temper text. 0433 98 11 16 might work our way through a couple of those as we get towards the end of our program and Dwayne takes over with Dwayne's World. It does my head in when Geelong supporters complain about playing finals at home as a dog supporter. And like Bevo, I prefer they play their finals at the MCG. That is where the grand final is played, says Joe. Is that always been the case for the doggies? Are they always... I'm not sure they were that comfortable about playing a final against adelaide at the mcg one that they lost of course the controversy was swept up in the aftermath of the talia brothers and the reports of i guess insider information being transferred but i'm not sure they were that wrapped from memory about playing that game at the mcg after they qualified for the elimination final at marvel i think you play where you deserve it you work it out get to the mcg when it happens and then take it from there but you want to play your home final, on your ground. You've spent 23 weeks earning that right. And I support Geelong for wanting to do that and pushing hard for it. Uh, It's funny that you're happy for other teams to fight to play on their home deck, but when Richmond does it for their fans, you go to town on them. Complete hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy at all. Richmond get the best run of all time, of all time. And then they complain when they get one of their games moved to Marvel, which is just down the road. And then they continue to lose there and they say that the place has got no soul i mean come on R- richmond's conduct this year has been oh i could go really hard on it i won't it has been eyebrow raising considering everything that everyone's going through to make the season happening happen complaining about having a game switch from the mcg where you get more exposure on that ground than any other team i don't want to repeat myself broken record it was ridiculous, and has come back to bite them in a big way. Not saying they're not an unbelievable football team. Not saying I don't love Damien Harbick and what he's done for that club. But their conduct as a club this year has been eyebrow-raising, to put it nice and politely. Um, The AFL players aren't happy, right? They're not happy that uh, the Herald Sun wrote an article about, was it the top 50 highest-paid players in the game? The AFL was rich list. It might have gone to 100. I can't remember. anyway. Becomes a bigger and bigger thing every year. Clearly, footy fans click on it. Otherwise, the Herald Sun wouldn't run it, wouldn't campaign, wouldn't advertise it, wouldn't promote it as heavily as they do. They wouldn't have double-page spreads across a number of days in the Herald Sun. The fans are interested in what players are being paid. The AFLPA aren't happy with these reports. They say it's inaccurate. I had Paul Marsh in the studio on SA during the week, and we had this exchange about it.
7: Oh, look, we were on record pretty strongly last year that we thought it was... Um... Yeah, it, it, to be honest, just just don't think it's um, it's needed. It's necessary, and I think it, it's very much off the
1: mark. Last year, you know, they they didn't get it very
4: close to being right.
1: So, Paul, let's make away just public. You love this, don't you? Paul. What, do, what, so, do you, what do you get So paid then costs? we don't. Well, I've t- <laughs> when I was playing, I told that because I was accountable to members and supporters and people that invest their money. I'm not now. It clears up all that confusion. It clears up the inaccuracies you're talking about. You know, I, I, I know what Pat Cummins earns. I know what anyone in the NBA earns. I can Google it. I just think it clears up all that genuine speculation, which it is, and we, we've got you for 30 more seconds, so yeah. I'll quickly give you a right reply.
7: Yeah, I just think it's, like, it's no one's business what the, what anyone's getting paid, and uh, I think, you know, you talk about mental health problems and all the rest of it, like, you put that stuff out there, we just talked about social media, can you imagine the flow on? So, the Rich List to us is, you know, starting point, try and get it right, and it's not even close to right, And uh, just, but the principle of it is something that we don't support. There's isn't. one way to
1: get it right. I, because I, they're still going to speculate, that regardless whether they're public or not, we're still going to have the social media commentary, because fans believe what they're reading. Yeah, look... Given that we have no time, let's do yes. let, let, uh, it was... So it's an issue that comes up. I've been strong on it for, well, a number of years, dating back to when I, when I played. I think it should be in, in the public interest for those fans that invest in their club and to keep the club accountable to the way that they spend their salary cap. It would solve a lot of issues, I think. And regardless, everyone's interested in it and everyone's going to speculate and everyone's what is going to believe what is written in the paper. And it comes up often at trade time. Oh, four... Double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. to have you say on that. We'll be back to wrap up the captain's run. Dwayne's World after 12 o'clock. AFL Nation tonight, 6 o'clock from Brisbane and the Richmond game. Uh, your calls, your texts quickly on the other side of this.
14: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191.